Welcome to the Appalachian Spooky Hour Podcast. Those may include depictions of violence, gore, and other horrors meant for adults. Listener discretion is advised. Hey y'all, I'm Sam and I want to welcome you to the Appalachian Spooky Hour Podcast. Before we dive into this week's topic, I want to introduce you to Shell, who is guesting on this week's episode. So say hello to the listeners. Hey, all I'm Shell. I'm uh, Sam's Northeastern liaison up here in Pennsylvania, which is in some ways Appalachia's weird cousin. All right. So I thought this week, in honor of spooky season, that we kind of venture away from the southern reaches of Appalachia and travel north to Pennsylvania. Uh, originally, I thought of covering Trans-Allegheny or Pennhurst, but ultimately decided to veer a bit further east to just outside of the Appalachian region to instead talk about Eastern State Penitentiary. A short rundown for those that don't know, Eastern State was a massive prison built in 1829 that, while out of commission as a working penitentiary, still stands in the city of Philadelphia. That's why I've asked Shell to join me as she's both knowledgeable about the location and we have in fact been there together. It's so uh Eastern State is interesting for a few reasons uh, besides the fact that it's very creepy. Uh, the first reason is that it was actually the first of its kind. Uh, up until about the time that America actually started the prison system, most crimes were uh, they corporal punishment was the whole thing. It was, you know, public executions, beatings, you lost your arms, you lost an eye. Uh, prisons are actually started, I think, in America around the time when we started to break away from England because we didn't like that kind of treatment. And the Eastern State Penitentiary actually broke away from the classic American system because the American system used what was called the Auburn system, which was you packed your prisoners in, you tortured them a little bit, you forced them to do hard labor, and they were not allowed to have any kind of comforts. Penitentiary, on the other hand, was, um, it used what was called the separate system, which was basically everybody got locked away in their own little cells. They uh, were solitary confinement. They didn't get to see any other prisoners. They were all alone. Uh, it focused on actually making the criminal penitent so that they could be re-released out in society. It wasn't about punishment. It wasn't about uh, spectacle. It was about actually changing the person and re-releasing them. So that was actually a really big first uh, in a world where people just got locked away and abused. Um, of course, unlike any other, uh, every other place of confinement, they got crowded really fast and the original person just went right out the window. It was uh, supposed to be seven single story cell blocks, but by the time they finished block three, they were already overcrowded with extra criminals. So they all kind of got cramped back in together. The solitary system went out the window and it just became any other prison. Uh, the second reason it's interesting is because it was very advanced for its time. It actually had sinks with running water. They had flush toilets and they had hot water pipes that worked as a radiator for heat in the winter. And the third thing, which is what a lot of people already know about uh, Eastern State, is that it had a lot of famous prisoners. Al Capone was arrested in Philly on concealed weapons charges in 1929, and he was actually in uh, Eastern State for about nine months until he was let out for good behavior. Uh, Sam and I actually saw his cell. It was all 
set up all fancy with his his couch his writing desk i don't know if it's his actual cell i heard somewhere either they weren't sure which cell was his or the original one wasn't safe for tourists and they set up another one it could be the real one i honestly don't know the really fun prisoner though was willie sutton who was in prison for robbing the corn exchange bank with a machine gun in 1934. uh they call him slick willie and he's really fun because <laughs> he actually escaped from eastern state uh, he put together a 12-man crew. Uh, they worked in shifts of two and dug a 100-foot tunnel using spoons. Nice. And then, okay, in the morning, in a, I don't know why it was the morning. He definitely tried to escape in the morning, broad daylight, so he wasn't all that slick. But, so these 12 guys crawl out through a tunnel in an April morning on 1945. And I'm actually going to read you Willie Sutton's own words with an interview with him. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this is what he says. says, I leapt from the hole, began to run, and came face to face with two policemen. Put up your hands or I'll shoot. One of them recovered more quickly than the other. Go ahead and shoot, I snarled at them. And at that moment, I honestly hoped he would. Then I wheeled around and began to run. He emptied his gun at me, but I wasn't hit. None of the bullets hit me, but they did make me swerve. And in swerving, I tripped, fell, and they had me. So, yeah, Sutton was free for about three minutes before he was arrested. It was good times. <laughs> I would like to look into at some point after this if that at all, like, left any kind of impression on Stephen King. And that's where he got some of the inspiration for Andy Dufresne and Shawshank Redemption. You know what? He might have. There are, um, it's actually funny you should say that because when they were doing the, um, some renovations in the 1930s i think they found something like 30 tunnels that were partially finished i mean i don't know if the guards were just really bad at what they were doing or we had some really smart prisoners but there's so many tunnels under that prison because when you were talking about them digging with spoons all i could think of was andy dufresne and his little tiny rock hammer yeah yeah they used uh they were teams of two digging spoons and uh they covered up i think they covered up with like a plaster a fake section of wall not a poster like in the uh thing. that's but amazing there, there were like four inspections that completely missed this tunnel it was, <laughs> yeah it's it's fun and i know you had something else about a dog named pep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, oh yeah our most famous prisoner uh so pep was a dog that was sentenced to life in prison by the governor for murdering his wife's cat allegedly <laughs> That, that may or may not be true. Um, the prisoners there, unlike other prisons, they were allowed to have gardens, they were allowed to have pets, because again, it was about penitence and recuperating. And, and some people said that the governor actually donated his own dog to help with prisoner morale. So the, the dog may have been sentenced to life. The dog may have just been rehomed. We, we don't really know. I prefer to think he was a hardened criminal. <laughs> um, now you and I visited Eastern State like 10 years ago. And I know we ran around Halloween but we went on a historical tour instead of doing like the haunted house or anything. And I remember that the self-guided tour is narrated or was at the time by Steve Buscemi, which was cool. I think it still is. I was looking up the, um, the touring things and they listed out that it's, it's, I believe it's still his narration. I hope so. Amazing. It was great. And I remember it was a really overwhelming kind of place. And I've been to the Ohio state reformatory which we'll talk about at some point on the podcast because the reformatory and a penitentiary aren't the same thing. But um, that place is massive. But 
Eastern state has such a deeper, longer, and maybe even like a more violent history, um, which is part of why I chose it for us to talk about. But like, what stood out to you the most when we visited? Like, was there anything specific? Was there an area or a moment that sort of got you? Or was just like, did you have like any of those overwhelming, like, wow, this place was something kind of feelings? Uh. I don't know if you remember the cats. There's an art installation. It may still be there. I can't really find out, but it was called Ghost Cats. Uh, after the prison officially closed and the prisoners were all moved out, a colony of feral cats moved in that the caretaker continued to take care of. They were um, caught, neutered, released until they died off naturally. They were actually pretty popular in the area because Eastern State is dead center in the mid middle of a neighborhood. Yeah, so, which is wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like you step out the door and there's houses right there. So the, these people knew these wild cats and they were kind of well-beloved animals. So the ghost cat exhibit, it's 39 gypsum plaster cats over wire frames and they're set up all through the prison. And they were made of this plaster because they're meant to decay and deteriorate. It's like an artistic statement that everything dies and fades. Well, when we were there, we got to the one cell block where we couldn't actually go into it because the structure wasn't safe. The door was blocked by a rope, but we could lean over and we could take pictures. Yeah, I remember and uh you could see some of the ghost cats they were set up around, around the ghost walk and that was before i knew it was a installation because i was like why are there crazy little cat shapes all over yeah but you could see the overgrown yard to the broken window and and you know between the architecture and the history it's sort of like this cathedral of decay in there because you saw the high ceilings these yeah. arch these arch things these big windows and we just were in the middle of this huge busy city and it was dead quiet there it made you feel like we were the last people on the earth Ugh. And, uh, you know, you, you can't even imagine what it'd be like to be an inmate there in the early days of the prison when that was your whole life. Yeah, and, and like, the thing that stuck with me was, like, like you said, like, just how lonely it felt. And, you know, knowing that the prisoners were kept apart from each other and there was very, very little, like, mixing or mingling. And just thinking about how those people were sent there to rehabilitate into society. And their answer to that was to keep them split up without much human interaction seems like it should have been counterintuitive i guess what was also wild is that the place opened in 1829 but didn't close until 1971. and you know there's plenty of skeptics and non-believers in the paranormal but, you know i'm not one of those people and this place existed for nearly 150 years as an active prison that housed violent offenders under fairly cruel conditions so it just you know i think how could this place not be haunted and I don't understand how anyone can think that some kind of just residual energy was left behind by all of these people who were confined in this place and so many of them died there. Yeah, I'm not going to speak about, you know, what it might be like at night because I've never, never been there at night. But even in broad daylight when we were there, like the place does have, you, you call it a residual energy, but I'll call it like the vibe, quote unquote. Uh, it's this like heavy feeling like you so many people suffer there so much that the melancholy just literally soaks into the walls and and you can walk through this place without knowing any of its history and you can feel in some places that like bad things happen here and it, it can be weird because in its time the building was absolutely beautiful it was designed with beauty in mind and you can see it in the bones in the high ceilings in the arch windows so it's this gorgeous or was gorgeous building with these really eerie feelings and that can be so off-putting and so weird so yeah i can understand how creepy things might happen <laughs> here and yeah it's, it's yeah and like it was 
I don't know, you felt it even more in the parts that were less well-preserved. I, I don't know if you remember, I think I have pictures of it. I'm sh- and you probably remember, we went past a room that was like part of the medical and they still had like the dentist chair. Yeah, like they had these, all a lot of these objects and things were still there. Like they, they just put them down and they left. So you get this really eerie feeling of, of life just interrupted in there. And you can you can really feel like what happened in some of those places. Yeah, and you know, they had the the one square. I don't and not all of the rooms had them. I know some of them did the square near the top of the ceiling that but in the only light they got. Yes. Yes. The cells were actually uh they were designed to be kind of church like. So they yeah. have those each cell was a, a cement block and the doors were intentionally made low. So you had to bow your head as you were going in as if you were praying. And it had this single skylight for light and a lot of people call them the eye of God because as the sun came up you know you had this light coming down you and and like you said you you see it as we're walking by and all you'd see was this beam of light coming down from this single tiny skylight and it was just it was a feeling and I know I remember um Steve Buscemi um, (laughs) talking about um like the brutality and, and how the guards, like, wasn't it on Christmas? They, like, beat a guy to death. It was something very poignant. It was something about it was holiday time. And something happened and somebody got beat to death. And it was just, you know, you think about that. And I, I don't know. I just can't go in a place like that and imagine not feeling the energy. Or, like, you called it the vibe. Like, the place definitely has has a feeling. You can you could feel it in the walls. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if it's it's hindsight because we know what happened there. You know, you walk past, like you said, the medical room and you know that, well, they probably had dead bodies on that slab there because people got shanked and and beaten. But uh, there was a lot of violence that went in there. And uh, as soon as the, the place started overcrowding, you know, the guards started taking off bribes and started getting a little more violent. And, you know, things weren't so hard to hide. and. And they got bad. Um, actually, it's funny you should mention that because they, um, Willie Sutton, when he was uh, taken back in, he was actually, him and uh, several other people who did that jailbreak were actually locked into tiny cells that were dug under the ground. And these were actually illegal at the time. The guards had secretly dug these as torture. Uh, it was a dark, empty room. They were put in in a solitary. It was closed up, no light, no food, um, kind of exposed to the elements. So there was a lot of unnecessary violence that happened inside those walls. And what I find really interesting is that reports of hauntings by inmates and guards didn't really start cropping up until like the late 1940s, which was over a hundred years into the operation of the prison, you know, when it was still running. And maybe that's just because more and more people were brutalized there and died over time. you know, we honestly can't say for certain why places become haunted or seem to attract negativity. But I do find that just very strange. And it seems relatively normal for a place of its kind up until that point. I don't know how to really explain it. Um, You know, now it's regarded as one of the most haunted places in the United States and maybe even, you know, the world, depending on who you talk to. And, you know, some of the more reported hauntings, um, I know there's a figure that's seen standing in one of the guard towers, reportedly, um, ghostly footsteps going up and down corridors, 
so it's not even just reports anymore from former inmates uh, about people haunting, but it's also not reports that it's former inmates only haunting the place, but also guards and other people who worked there. And, you know, you ever wonder, like, what in the world could make someone come back and haunt their job? I don't know. Um, that's one place I probably would haunt the hell out of. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you point out that the hauntings, they didn't start popping up until the 1940s. Um, I'd probably take a look at the history of the building at that point. Uh, because you have to remember that Eastern State was still using the solitary system until 1913. True, most, true. Of the, uh, most of the most of the were petty thieves. They weren't, you know, the hardcore criminals. This was a place made to reform minor criminals who weren't a real danger to to the public. Well, they ditched that system when the overcrowding started. So that was when the violent criminals like the murderers and rapists started showing up there. Now, the inmate in, on inmate crime skyrocketed. The, uh, the guard on inmate crime skyrocketed. There were a few riots up through the 1930s. So I guess, you know, from the viewpoint of the believe, a believer, you can say that there was this church-like quality of the early penitentiary that might have canceled out or muted the negative energies. And, and then you have their this change in the clientele. And instead of calm, quiet, you just have this nonstop rage. There's jailbreaks, there's violence during the riots. And I know at least one guard was stabbed to death on the premises. So mm. he, he might have just really hated his boss and wanted to stick around and make his life a nightmare. True. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, which, you know, there's no hardcore evidence, no matter how you slice it, that, that ghosts or anything exist. But um, as far as haunting where you work, I guess in their cases, you're brutally murdered there and there's different you know people that tell different things about how ghosts operate and one of them is that some of them are just stuck in a death loop and that would suck just to be stuck forever right. well, also, your take, death at work take into account that this was a philadelphian and we we are not the most rational <laughs> people um i know that when we were at eastern state um i didn't see anything or even hear anything but we had on headphones, we were listening to Steve Buscemi, but um, so there was no chance to hear anything. But I can remember the woman who was, um, she was working, it was a younger woman, she was blonde, I can remember that. Um, she was telling us about her own experience. And I remember um, she talked about hearing footsteps following her after closing one night and that kind of thing. And the place just gave me general kind of bad vibes. Um, it had its own just feeling and I think most of these places which you and I've been several haunted places together um, they all kind of have just their own feel but you can kind of tell from the energy of this place that a lot of bad things happened there and you know I, I would totally go back and do an overnight there that said I would love to see what it feels like at night when there's nobody else there and see if that changes how it feels, if it worsens how it feels, that that kind of vibe. Well, I will I will say that surprisingly, Philadelphia gets very quiet at night. Uh, it's not like out where you are at all, but it has it, it's its own kind of silence, and it can get really creepy if you're in the wrong headspace. So I mean, it's a tough call, but I guess I'd do an night overnight there if it was with a group. You're not going to get me there alone because, like I said, it, in the dead quiet, I, I get freaked out in my room, you know, in the middle of the night with a TV going that I can hear next door. It's, um, yeah. So, yeah, while we didn't see anything ghostly at the time, at night, the silence is probably just absolutely terrifying. Um, I wish I could have explored it before it started falling down because I think I could have done a little nighttime jaunt there without any issues back then. Uh, in fact, that being said, uh, there's a book called Images in America 
Eastern State Penitentiary by Francis Dolan. You can get the Kindle version on Amazon. It's actually filled with photos of Eastern State when it was in use. It has pictures of the inmates and of the building. Uh, it has original images of the synagogue, which you probably remember had just been recently restored when we visited. Yes, that, that was yes, that was amazing to Beautiful. see it restored like that. Yeah, I, I recommend taking a look at the book. It has some great pictures of it. I thought it was original. And I know, um, like I said, you and I have been several places um, together now that we've done some different um, ghost tours and gone to some different haunted buildings. And I know um, we did some really good ones in Charleston and then we saw some good ones yeah. in Salem. Oh, yeah. Um, and, there, you know, there's still so much of Pennsylvania to talk about, like Trans-Allegheny and Penhurst and those places. So maybe, you know, we could talk about those in the future and then it would be great to go visit them and get that perspective too. Um, Oh, absolutely. And most of them are, are open for ghost hunting tours. I don't know if Penhurst, I know Trans-Allegheny is open. I'm not sure about Penhurst. We'll have to look into that one because I, I don't know. Penhurst is, it's kind of come and go. They are actually, a lot of the buildings are falling down and some of them have been taken down. I know that they've opened up a, uh, a kind of haunted attraction there in some of the buildings. And some of the other buildings do allow you to do kind of the, the walkthrough. The thing about that is you have to be very careful because some of the residents from there are still alive and that is a very touchy Yeah, that makes it place. Yeah, it makes it a little harder. Um I mean I, I'm pretty sure they do ghost tours. I when I was looking at the website before they had people talking about the ghost tour they went on and the history tour and whatnot. So um, we could probably visit. I'm pretty sure we can. I would not go during the Halloween season because it's all Yeah, I don't uh, I would rather go to these places and see them for what they actually are. I I don't get really into the kitschy the haunted house part um which i'm sure is fun if you're into that but yeah i think you're kind of the same we kind of like the history and the actual ambiance of the place um yeah i don't need someone dressed up jumping out at me i'm jumping yeah. enough as it is um but yeah that would be that would be good for the future because as far as i know if things go well we will have a season two of appalachian spooky hour and um there's all kinds of creepy creepy things we can talk about but uh, the time's kind of gone fast and um, I think it's time to end our talk of Eastern State kind of here. Um, sadly, there's not a lot online that I could find. And I know you did research too of um, pretty um, reputable ghost stories. Like, you know, you had the people talking about, oh, the guard in the tower. And I know there was one about a, a shadow man that kind of darts around the hallways, but um, most people seem to be like us and talk more about the vibe of the place than anything visual that they encountered. Um, you know, but not seeing things with your eyes doesn't make a place not terrifying. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, especially here with this is an old city. It was here before America was America and a lot happened here in this square footage. So even before the state pension territory, there was other stuff going on. And, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance, listeners, to visit Eastern State, I think both of us would highly recommend it. Absolutely. Um, tear Behind the Walls, their yearly haunted house, I've heard, is absolutely terrifying. But, you know, outside of that, just visit the place on its own. Taking the walking tour. Steve Buscemi is great. <laughs> um, learn the history of the place. Make your own judgment calls. See if you get any chills or negative feelings. See if you can capture something on camera or see it from the corner of your eye. And I promise you, this is one place beyond the reach of Appalachia that you don't want to miss. Closing remarks. I think, I think it covered it all.
All right. Well, uh, we'll catch you next time, Spookies. Happy Halloween.